All right, everyone, welcome to a very special episode of Pigskins and Pageantry. I'm Wes, and we really got an exciting topic for you today. Is uh, We have a very special guest to talk about it, but first, uh, I'd like to welcome two of the best co-hosts in all the land. First off, Jesse, how's it going? How are you coping with no Bama football? I'm actually doing quite well because apparently we're a basketball school too. So, <laughs> oh, hello, yes, Sweet 16. Um, I have to learn the names of basketball players uh, at Bama for the first time ever. So this is exciting. I'm telling you, they are tearing it up. It's been exciting to watch them as well. So uh, Matt, how are you holding up? I mean, it's it, the plight of the Tennessee fans continue. We're expecting a deep run in the tournament, and then <laughs> we get ejected by Oregon State, who won their first uh, first uh, first March Madness game since 1982. So, wow, <laughs> hits keep coming. Good for them. Well, you know, at least you guys got to see your teams for a little bit longer uh, for basketball. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, like I said, we got a special episode today, and our topic is name, image, and likeness. Uh, our guest is an expert on that topic and is none other than Drew Butler. Uh, just a little bit of uh, background on him. He played for Georgia from uh, 2007 to 2011. He was a two-time first-team All-American, a two-time first-team academic All-American, first-team All-SEC in 2009, second-team All-SEC in 2010, won the Ray Guy Award, which is college football's most outstanding punter in 2009 and then went on to play professionally for the Steelers and the Cardinals. Um, I'm a big Steelers fan. So this is double cool for me. Like I was saying earlier uh, before the show, uh, currently he hosts uh, two football shows, including uh, the punt and pass podcast with Aaron Murray uh, runs his own business and uh, recently joined icon source uh, who will be heavily involved in NIL. So uh, basically, he's a big deal, and we're thrilled to have him on. So uh, welcome to the show, Drew. Hey, thanks, Wes. That's a great introduction. I don't know if I'm a big deal, but you um, started rattling <laughs> off those stats. That's a long time ago, man, 2021. <laughs> those it's, dates kind of hit you right in the face, but I'm glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. As I say, it still counts, and uh, it's, it's good stuff. So, um, you know, for, uh, for the listeners who may not know, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what NIL is, like what it means and kind of how it's come about in the NCAA? And then we'll dive into some deeper dive questions after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really topical right now with March Madness going on. We saw the players inside the bubble start a trend on Twitter last week. Hashtag not NCAA property. Um, and NIL is the discussion around name, image, and likeness of student athletes. And as the rules have been for a long time and as they currently are, if you're a student athlete, you cannot profit off your name, image, and likeness. It's a violation of the NCAA's code of amateurism. Um, if you're a Georgia fan, A.J. Green got in trouble for that back in 2010 when he allegedly yep. had signed some jerseys and sold them yeah. for some money. Uh, Coach Rick and the university suspended him for four games before the NCAA even finished their investigation. You always see this come up when a player uh, signs some things, makes some money off some name, image, and likeness. And now uh, there's been a long time discussion for the past 18 months or so as things have just rapidly changed in society where the NCAA said, hey, in mid-January of 2021, we are going to change the rule and we are going to allow student athletes to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. Um, in typical NCAA fashion, when that time came to make the decision, they kicked the can down the road. They punted on the issue. Now, granted, 2020 was a wild year. I don't think anybody saw COVID happening, the pandemic. Things certainly got pushed back. Um, but now more than ever, those kind of inequities when it comes to name, image, and likeness and how student athletes cannot make money off of that has really been pushed to the forefront. Um, and it is time for student athletes to simply be able to make money off their name, image, and likeness. It's something that I've always been passionate about. Um, I've had my own thoughts and ideas on how I think it would work, more so coming from the student athlete's perspective. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I run my own business called Fourth Down Consulting, and I was doing some consulting for a company called Icon Source. The founder and CEO, Chase Garrett, is an extremely sharp guy. He ran Red Bull's athlete marketing program for seven years, well-versed in sports marketing, knows how to leverage athletes, knows how to create deals and endorsements for them. Um, and he had created an absolutely amazing software marketplace platform called Icon Source. Uh, and just recently, they had offered me to come and run their collegiate division. So here I am now. I'm helping them um, kind of carve out their space in this NIL landscape, which is changing every single day. 
and July 1st, if nothing happens at the federal level between now and March 23rd and July 1st, student athletes in the state of Florida only will be able to be compensated off their name, image, and likeness. So we expect, and most everybody that I talk to expects, the federal government to step in, create sweeping legislation to create a fair, balanced playing field for all 50 states so student athletes can be compensated off their name, image, and likeness. And that's huge, though, coming from a recruiting perspective, right? Because um, especially as a Bama fan, I don't want Florida to have any sort of advantage. I certainly don't want um, Mullen down there to be able to talk to recruits about, hey, come get paid down here, right? So right. Um, that's huge for the feds to step in because if not, you're going to start getting some schools that are going to really jump on it and then other schools that don't, and it's going to really hurt some programs, I think. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and if that is what happens, then, you know, hats off to Dan Mullen and Manny Diaz and Gus Malzahn at Central Florida because they'll be able to hit the road and say, hey, if you come play for us, we will give you opportunities and you'll have plenty of opportunities to engage with brands and make money off your name, image, and likeness. Now, what that will look like, that's up for the legislation and the lawmakers to create. Um, there are so many questions around, hey, will these student athletes be able to be represented by an agent? Um, how involved will the universities be able to be? Um, can the money flow through the universities, which obviously, no, they, they cannot. It has to be separate. What kind of parameters and guidelines will be around the deals that these student athletes can sign? Um, there are so many questions that they have to figure out. But I give a lot of credit to Governor DeSantis, uh, regardless of your politics, because he saw what was happening? California has legislation that's going to go into effect in 2023. Other states have put forth legislation that's going to happen later date. And Governor DeSantis stepped in and said, hey, you know what? July 1st, 2021, if you're a student athlete in the state of Florida, you can make money off your name, image, and likeness, and the NCAA has no ruling effect over your eligibility. So I would see states racing to meet that mark, and then the government having to step in and say, whoa, 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 let's create some laws where all 50 states can play by the same rules. So you mentioned, you know, there's obviously going to be parameters around what deals they can sign and whatnot. I think the biggest question a lot of people are having and the argument they bring up against it or, you know, whatever is boosters. How do boosters mm -hmm. fit into that? How, you know, if they are a car dealership owner, for example, because so many are, <laughs> um, or maybe I'm just speaking in Tuscaloosa terms, but, you know, they own these dealerships. They say, hey, come do a commercial for me. Um they're associated with the university, but not technically the university. So how would that work? Um, and what would be, in your opinion, a fair parameter to put around that? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're a business owner, you're going to have access to student athletes. You know, if we're creating a free and fair marketplace, then student athletes should be able to make money off of a brand that wants to utilize their name, image, and likeness. Now, how will the booster be able to pay the student athlete? That's the biggest question, and that's where Icon Source comes in. Where Icon Source is different from some of the other companies that have made some headlines in the NIL industry is that we work independent of the universities. We are a true marketplace. We're a software platform where the universities can see it. Uh, they have complete act, uh, access and transparency to the deals that are happening. On our platform, there are contract templates that create legal documents to protect the student athlete and the brand. All payments are processed on the platform to ensure the transaction. And once that happens, the university can... Uh, ask for, hey, what was the communication? Because we have two-way communication on our platform. Hey, what does the contract look like? Well, here it is. Hey, was the payment made? Yes, here was the payment scheduling. So they, they will be able to see all of that. And then being software, you know, you will have a pool of data to where, when you bring up a great point, Jesse, if a car dealership is paying the running back at Tennessee $2,500 and that running back at Alabama is being paid $50,000 for the same exact thing, well, then maybe a red flag comes up. They go in there and look into it. Um, if that running back has 10 million Twitter followers and 500,000 Instagram followers. Well, then maybe he demands that much money. Or if he's a Heisman yeah. finalist, maybe he deserves that much money. But the market will play itself out in that effect. It's going to be most important, though. How do these brands and companies access the student athlete? Can we keep it above board? Can we have all that information readily available for compliance to look at? And most importantly, can we empower the student athlete to say, hey, now I can reach out to brands. They can reach out to me. I'm doing everything right on my end. And if there's any questioning, well, here's all the information. 
you can look at it. You know, when you ask about how will student athletes disclose these deals, how will brands and boosters or whoever, whatever company, whether it's national like Coca-Cola or hyper local like Honor Reserve, which is a great clothing store in Athens, Georgia, how will they have access? You know, we want to provide them the platform where brands and athletes live together, which IconSource already does at the professional level, at a high level. Uh, we want to do that for the collegiate student athlete. So there's no slimy Twitter DMs and then things get lost in communication and a student athlete forgets X, Y, or Z. We don't want that to happen. We want to empower the student athlete and give them that opportunity. I know there's talker, you know, in the research, of course, people are saying, well, maybe it's not necessarily just a, a flat out paycheck, right? That you could give these athletes are there other ways that we can pay them where it's, you know, some sort of gift card, for lack of a better term, to the, the university? But um, could you talk through what some of the proposed other forms of payment are and how that would work for a student athlete or how it would be different than the situation they're already in? I mean, they're, you know, you're getting scholarships, of course, and, you know, depending on the athletics, but you're getting clothes, you're getting housing and meals. So, you know, what would be the advantage of giving them a gift card to the school store? It's not going to yeah, be sure. in a, I mean, uh, as in a, a Burger forest. King bag, is it? McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. You're, you're, you're hundred percent right. Um, and as a former student athlete, I'll be the first to tell you, I mean, being on scholarship is a, is a gigantic privilege. Um, the resources and the support that you have as a student athlete is enormous. Now with that are a lot of burdens. I mean, your schedule from when you wake up at 6am to your weekends, if you're playing football are completely booked up, right? And you make those sacrifices in return for a scholarship in return for all those added benefits that you mentioned, Jesse. But when it comes to paying, not compensating off name, image, and likeness, but when it comes to paying student athletes, that is from the university. Now Title IX comes into effect. You see some of these student athletes talking about, hey, let's break into the endowment. There's so much money there. Again, that's a can of worms that is so far complicated. You're talking about revenue sports and non-revenue sports. I mean, if you want to play the inequity game, it could get really, really messy in a hurry if you were to say the university's should pay the student athletes. What's most important right now? The student athletes should be compensated off their name, image, and likeness. The universities say, hey, you know, that's not us doing it. So it's a true meritocracy. I mean, welcome to America. If you're a starting quarterback like Joe Burrow a couple of years ago, who had one of the greatest seasons in college football history, he probably would have made hundreds of thousands of dollars just off endorsements and good for him. If you're the third string center and you don't play and you don't have a social media following, unfortunately, you're probably not going to get many endorsement deals. But if you're a backup punter and you got a huge YouTube following, well, now you can be compensated off your name, image, and likeness. So I think that is the most important thing when you talk about a free and fair marketplace, when you talk about what is essentially providing capitalism to these student athletes, allow them to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Let's see how it goes and let's grow from there. You know, this is a long hill you have to climb. I don't think you throw everything against the wall at once and then see what happens. I think you take graded steps and see how you can continue to make these advantages for the student. I athletes. think you bring up an interesting point with Title IX. Obviously, something I'm super passionate about, and um, it's important, right? We're seeing so many things coming up in the news with the NCAA tournament. I mean, looking at the weight rooms and how brands are yeah. stepping in uh, for the NCAA because they weren't doing their job, quite honestly. So how do you think it's going to affect, especially in women's sports, sports that maybe don't get the publicity like a football? It's hard to compete with, you know, an 80-man roster and the revenue mm -hmm. that they bring in and the publicity they get from that when you're a, a gymnast or a swimmer or maybe women's tennis or whatever it may be. So are there ways that athletes can, you know, help themselves out and get these opportunities should this legisl legislation start coming through for the, the sports uh, that aren't as well known as a football or maybe a basketball? Absolutely. You know, that's why Chase Garrett, the CEO of IconSource, started the company. He was at Red Bull, the biggest sports marketing company in the world, had an unlimited budget, could walk up to any athlete in any sport and say, hey, Red Bull wants to partner with you and create an endorsement deal. And of course, it would happen. He was dealing with the one of one percent of athletes. He saw 99 percent of the market underserved or not served at all. 
right? Now you talk about female collegiate student athletes right now, they don't have the opportunity because it's not allowed. Look around social media, look at the following some of these gymnasts, swimmers, tennis players, soccer players have. It's, it's pretty remarkable, right? They have brands and companies that sponsor these teams that are extremely passionate about these teams. Now they're going to have the opportunity to engage with these brands to say, oh, wow, you have 6 million TikTok followers. Would you like to uh, explore a possible endorsement or branding opportunity? Well, of course they would, right? And now they'll have access to the student athletes. And I think it just drives more eyeballs to these girls who kick ass on their respective playing fields. Uh, we've had lots of great discussions with female student athletes right now who say, oh, we would absolutely love this because we know the people who are passionate about our sport. We know how they do follow us. Now we have the opportunity to engage with them and explore brand and endorsement opportunities. And again, it serves that 99% that nobody really even knew how to um, engage with in the beginning. Now, now you have that platform. Hey, go to Icon Source. That's where these student athletes are. Reach out to them. You can see all their social media info. You can see who they influence and you build it. And I know there. that's important too. Um, now I work in, in marketing and, and I worked in a, I work in a very restricted category. So we have to see, you know, what does their follower base look like? How old yep. are they? And that influences, you know, who we work with. So are there going to be parameters around what brands can reach out to these athletes? I mean, you have some grad students that are well over 21, um, but that doesn't mean they necessarily need or should work with a Budweiser. Uh, so what are the parameters mm -hmm. going to be around the athletes and what brands can reach out to them and work with them? Yeah, from what I've seen, and, and again, the information that we all have access to, I mean, mm -hmm. it's public information, are just the legislative bills that have been proposed. And right now, what it looks like is that if an endorsement were to break the university's code of conduct, then it can't happen. Now, now keep in mind, when this starts, most likely players are not going to be able to use the school's logo. They're not going to be able to say, hi, I'm JT Daniels, Georgia quarterback, wearing his jersey or wearing a Georgia G. He'll be able to wear red and black and say, hey, I'm quarterback JT Daniels coming out to the car dealership this weekend. We'll have a signing and a meet and greet, right? So as of now, I don't believe based on the legislation that's been proposed that student athletes will be able to utilize marks and logos. Um, could that be built in? Well, surely it could. And then to answer your question, Jesse, if the University of Georgia or Alabama or Tennessee or whoever has in their code of conduct, you know, no alcohol, no gambling, um, no uh, illegal substances, well, then that's going to be off the mark. Uh, but again, who knows what that legislation is going to look like if it's different in different states. But I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Um, provide them the opportunity to engage with brands. But if the brand is one that uh, would go against the university's code of conduct, it probably wouldn't be allowed. And then kind of going back to, and it could be compensation or whatever, but, you know, working in PR and marketing, a lot of times you don't necessarily do a paid ad, right? You do those surprise and delights where it's like, I saw this person on TikTok was using our protein powder or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get their address or let's figure out, let's send them a whole package and hopefully they post. And then from there, so could things like that, a surprise and delight box be considered a compensation and something that they would need to get approved? Is that breaking any rules? What would that look like? I think most student athletes would love the surprise and delight. Um, I think they'd like money even right. more, right? And I think depending on maybe what the value of the surprise and delight box is, approximated value, uh, there could be a one or two ways to go about that. You know, that's above my pay grade. That's up for the lawmakers to decide how would that be deemed? Is it a compensation? Would they have to disclose it? Um, would there be a threshold if it's over $250? Mm -hmm. Would they have to disclose it? If it's just, you know, a pair of socks or boxers or whatever, would they have to disclose it? Yeah. See, I don't know. I mean, that's what the fascinating thing is going to be. Um, but that's all going to be on the table so soon. And it should be. I mean, that's what I think the most important thing is, is that these student athletes have so much on their plate. Let's give them an easy way, an app on their phone, a website that they can utilize. They build out their profile. Now they have a living, breathing, essentially resume where brands can find them based on a multitude of different demographics to say, Hey, this is a perfect fit for our campaign. Let's reach out to him and we can compensate him rightfully. So. And going into legislation and some people 
people may not know this. Um, it's something I found out too, because I'm not as familiar with uh, athletes that come over on visas. So a lot of times, you know, in sports, you have athletes from other countries that'll come on over. So I know that they're typically enrolled in an F1 visa. Um, and these visas dictate the number of hours that they can work. And essentially the work that they do for the university practices and things like that games that goes into that like 20 hours. Mm -hmm. So would something like this, where they're able to get paid for brand partnerships, start to endanger that visa? It's a great question. Um, you know, if they are if they are going off the twenty hour rule, then I can tell you right off the bat that is a very lenient. 20 hours, any student athlete would tell you, yeah, that's the rule. But by far, if you want to have success at the highest level, you are dedicating much more than 20 hours per week to your craft. Um, and the way that they are able to maneuver and get through some loopholes on how they time things, what's deemed official to fit it into that 20 hours. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, but that's what, you know, that's the guidelines that they're allowed to play by. Um, you know, if it is a social media post, if it is, um, you know, making a video that you put on YouTube, would that count as work? I mean, would the compensation, would the contract look like, hey, you know, we are asking for X hours or would a post have to equal some sort of time component? I'm not quite sure. That's a great question about those visas. There are a, a, a lot of foreign players that play multiple different sports at the collegiate level. So that's something that I'll definitely yeah, look out for. Um, I think it's just, it's just an interesting point that I had never thought of. I forget that, you know, it's considered work and it is rightfully so. Um, yeah. And I think the big question that a lot of people are going to want to know is video games, especially yeah. with football. Um, I think that was specifically called out in some articles I saw where it's like, and sorry guys, if I'm getting the name wrong in NCAA, hey, you got it. something I'm like that. Is it just NCAA? <laughs> um, but <laughs> for that, I think there's going to be special rules around, on that because there's been a lot talked about. So do we know how that could look, what that's going to look like? Yeah. From a compensation standpoint, not yet. Uh, um, you know, just for example, well, first off, Notre Dame stepped out and said, Hey, you know, we don't have a group licensing agreement. Um, we're not going to be a part of it right now because we don't know what that's going to look like in the NFL. If you are on an active roster and you are in the Madden NFL EA sports game uh, every September, based off the following year, there is a revenue share because you have a players association, the NFL players association that has a group licensing deal. Yep. So everybody gets a cut of the Madden NFL EA sports game. Yep. There is no group licensing agreement um, with college players because group licensing or effectively being in a union creates an employer employee relationship. Yep. And that would do away with amateurism. Well, the NCAA doesn't want that. I don't think student athletes necessarily want that. There are ways to make group rights happen at the collegiate level without creating employer-employee relationship. Um, you know, that's not what we do at IconSource. I've talked to groups who have solutions for that. Again, I think it's just creating that first step and then moving on and seeing, hey, how can we get creative? How can we compensate these student athletes who are in this video game clearly with their name, image, and likeness? Um, and how do you keep it away from the universities? Because again, if you bring it to the universities because you're using their marks and logos, you're using the student athlete's name, image, and likeness, well, then Title IX yeah. comes into effect, right? I mean, because the football players are creating the value of that game, but if you flow it through the universities, well, then all the non-revenue and other revenue sports are going to sit there and go, well, why are they getting yep. paid? But we're not. So that's where the sticky stuff comes in. Surely there is a solution. Um, that's not what we do at Icon Source, but I would certainly be in favor of those student athletes being compensated yeah. for that. And I think it's interesting too. I know we, we have to wait and see, can they hire agents? Can they not, you know, I think, you know, just personally, I think they should. Um, if not, yeah. at least hire a lawyer, somebody to look over it. I work with our legal department every day contracting talent and some of those terms I would never know what they were unless I had a lawyer that I could call and say hey wh what does this mean uh, um, and I have some talent that don't you know they say yeah I'll just sign it if you guys think it's cool and I'm like no 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 no, yeah. no don't do that yeah. don't do that um, of course I want you to sign it but like also maybe look over it read for five minutes um, so I think should classes be offered if this starts to come down from the federal level, you know, when you become a student athlete, you have to sit through a, you know, two week course or whatever it is yeah. in case you don't get an agent so you can understand because sometimes 
you can get some mm. sticky deals. No question. Uh, you bring up a great point. And based on a lot of the proposed legislation, that educational piece is in there, right. right? Hey, the universities have to provide the educational resources for these student athletes around what the NIL rules mm -hmm. will be from an administration level, from a student athlete's perspective. We're in total favor right. of that, right? Like we've talked to some of these groups that are working with the universities that are going to help the student athletes from a financial literacy standpoint, from an endorsement deal standpoint, helping educate them on what the rules are, what should you look out for, what should you not look out for. And these are the groups that are engaging directly with the okay. universities. Hey, we want to work with you guys for the next 18 to 24 months. Here's the deal. You pay us. We come in, we educate your administration. We talk to your student athletes. That's not what we do at Icon Source. You know, we are in full favor of that. We want to help those groups mm -hmm. out. Okay. We want to say, y'all go talk to the universities, set everything up. And then when the student athletes are educated, you can provide them our platform. Mm -hmm. Hey, we have vetted, we trust icon source. Here's what you can do. Sign up, get your profile. It's totally free to sign up. And then we can provide all of that information to compliance. And what's brilliant about icon source to protect and empower the student athlete is that the contract templates are on there, mm -hmm. right? There will be legal documents that will protect the student athlete and protect the brand. And when the brand goes to create the contract, they're going to be clicking through and, and filling out exactly how this looks. And essentially a term sheet will be provided to the student athlete. What that will look like, well, we don't know at this point, but since we're true software, hey, whatever compliance says is right or wrong or whatever the federal government says is right or wrong, we can adjust as needed. We can be fluid with how this industry is moving at a rapid pace. We want the student athlete to understand exactly what's being asked of them. What have they agreed to? How can they deliver it? And then the best part is we secure the transaction for them, right? We will secure the payment before they do anything. If they need to, we will desire their scheduling of the payment to make sure that it all happens seamlessly. But that is an enormous part. And when these groups are engaging with the universities, hey, we want them to trust us and say, you know, Based on what the legality is, are third parties going to be able to facilitate deal flow if they're in relationships with the schools? Yeah. See, again, you're getting tricky there because the schools are in relationships with them. We can be the outside saying, hey, we're the platform. They trust us. We can provide all the information. Let's play it here at the true marketplace where the brands and student athletes can yeah. live. No, that's all great. I think it's um, you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, financial literacy, I think we see it. In most news stories, we look at athletes and, and you wish that they uh, they had more of that. They they knew yeah. more what to do with their money, who to trust with their money, who not to, especially when they get into the NBA, NFL, you know, whatever it may be, MLB, and uh, and not lose so much because I think we see so many of those stories. And, and you don't want that to happen at the collegiate level either. Um, this, but, you know, to your point, this could help that situation. Yeah. I mean – when I was in college, 250 bucks was a ton of money, right? Now that could last you make three it to weeks. the NFL or <laughs> exactly, or you you make it to NBA and you get this enormous windfall of money and you've never had yeah. to deal with it before, or maybe you don't have the right guidance. So if you create the opportunity for the student athlete to make a little bit extra money, provide them that financial literacy, well, then you're again just gradually helping them out to enter into the real world, whether they're a professional athlete or going into the business and corporate world, they'll be more equipped. They will be better equipped. There's no doubt about it. Sorry, guys. I know I have monetized this entire or monopolized <laughs> rather this entire conversation. Um, the all. reporter in me just can't help it. But um, I will open it up to you guys because I have gone through most of my questions. <laughs> um, well, so I I was listening, actually listening the other day or just a little bit ago, Drew, to you talk on, a, on another show about this. And one thing that really struck me is just how and you've kind of alluded to this, how fluid it is and how much up in the air it is as we kind of wait on the terms of the legislation. And uh, so that's going to be something interesting uh, to watch uh, coming down the road. I do have a couple of selfish questions as a Georgia fan, and yeah, then I'll, I'll turn it over to Matt. Uh, what is uh, your favorite memory at Georgia? Yeah, this is great. I mean, obviously so many because I was there from 2007 to 2011. So initial blackout game against Auburn. I was redshirted, yes. but it was like the coolest thing ever. That was amazing. 
Um, Sugar Bowl that year was a blast. And then more so towards the end of my career in 2011, Coach Rick got his 100th victory inside Neyland Stadium. So sorry, Matt. That was a lot of fun. Um, (laughs) And then we, we won 10 games in a row my senior year to win the SEC East and get back to the SEC championship for the first time in a while. So that was a lot of fun. We ran into a buzzsaw against number one LSU in the championship game, SEC championship game. Um, But that was a special season. I think a lot of the seniors on that team really feel like they helped lay the foundation for what should have been a national championship team in 2012. Right. I mean, I, I personally really like the 2012 national championship. So of course, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was um that was uh bama notre dame right yes it yeah was. that's right okay i was just making sure i get the year right because yeah i remember that the joke was you know that no matter who won that you know just kind of yeah, that was basically the championship there so uh yeah, yeah. absolutely and then uh what's what is your outlook for this year for the 2021 season what what kind of vibe you getting for the dogs this year you know, I'm pretty bullish. Um, I really like that JT Daniels decided to come back. Um, I like that a lot of the weapons on offense decided to come back. You know, they did lose a lot on defense, but over the past couple of years, it's been more of a reload phase for Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning than a rebuild. So yeah. uh, with that coaching and, and with how they have been prepared week one to week 12, it seems like Georgia is going to be in a pretty good position. You know, week one playing against Clemson is going to be unbelievable in Charlotte. I saw something on Twitter earlier today. It looks like that game might be full capacity at Bank of America Stadium in, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, which would be unbelievable. But, you know, I said it last year going into it, um, and I think a lot of us expected Jamie Newman to stick around and be the quarterback. What happened with Stetson Bennett? Obviously, he gave it his all. Um, and then yeah. JT dealing with his injury, playing late, and catching some momentum. There's so much talent on this Georgia roster. Uh, it's up to the coaches. I, I, I remain steadfast in this. There is a lot of talent at the University of Georgia. The schedule is pretty tough this year, but yeah. it's time to unleash these guys. Todd Munkin's in his second year with the offensive coordinator. JT Daniels is coming back. I think it'll be up to the offensive line. You know, can you give Daniels a little bit of time to sit in the pocket and deliver the ball downfield when you can? He's about as good as anybody spinning it around. So, hey, look, I'm, I'm a true Georgia fan. I'm a, of course, I'm optimistic. I'll talk myself into Georgia being national champions by week <laughs> one, of course. You know, uh, but I we'll think we'll uh, see about that. Yeah, if you like, definitely will. If you're like me, uh, you're you probably have a realistic outlook in the back of your mind, though. So <laughs> you know, either way. So um, yeah, I, you know, I, I do, I do, and it's like, hey, it's like it's time. Time is now, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're so a many people fan, coming like, back, when, when are we gonna break through? Well, I think that's for a sure, question sure. every year it. that we typically have is we we talk about all the talent that's coming in. We just did a recruiting show, um, and. and we, we talked about who had committed and it's like, what's the barrier though, right? Like what is happening in this funnel to make everybody stop and you're just not getting there. Um, so I, I, maybe it's coaching. I don't know. Are you talking about the barrier for Georgia yeah. to break through? It's, it's <laughs> Alabama. I mean, that's a, I mean you, you knew that was a leading Alabama. question, Drew. In, in Florida. I honestly Florida. hadn't thought yeah. about, about that, but oh, Florida. Mm, don't even yeah, just saying. No. Yeah. They've lost the Kyles. Yeah, okay. That is, that's true. The Kyles are gone. I had some friends well, asking me if, if Kirby's seat is getting hot. And I was like, you know, honestly, as long as Saban is at Alabama, is anybody's seat as hot as it should be? I mean, because when Bama's there, you just sort of expect them to win every year. And it's just kind of been the expectation. So. But Saban being there, I feel like makes the seats hotter because it's true. it's what we talk about. It's that Saban extent. effect. It's like everyone's like, well, Nick Saban's doing it. Yeah. Right. Why- can't well, you do it? I think like, like, well, Jesse, you're not you, you, miss, you mispronounced the name Satan. <laughs> that is so rude. It's not rude. It's the truth. So rude. Our Lord and Savior. Yeah. And, and you're also, Nick Saban. Uh, as I was listening to Punt and Pass, I appreciate the fact that it seems like you and Aaron, uh, we're, we're all on the same page when it comes to the whole uh, Justin Fields debacle and how you just got to win with who's there and that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. And, you know, we could say whatever we want, but, you know, if we want to compare stats, Fields against Alabama versus, uh, you know, Fromm against Alabama, or heck, even Stetson Bennett against Alabama this past yeah. season. Um, I think we can kind of put that to bed, right? <laughs> There's no doubt. I mean, Aaron is the the foremost authority on that entire situation. And, and as a starting quarterback coming off a year where you 
He won the Rose Bowl, won the SEC championship, you know, took Alabama to double overtime in the national championship. You're not going to lose your job, right? Okay. And that's where Kirby was. He was like, I can't bench this guy based on whatever happens in training camp. You, you just can't do that. So it was clear that if Fields wanted to play that, that season or play that year, then he was going to have to transfer. Um, right. And Fromm did not play his way out of being the starting quarterback, right? right. And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And what would it have looked like if Justin Fields stayed at Georgia? I don't know. Would we have won a national championship? Hell, I don't know. I mean, the way he played against Alabama, I don't think so. <laughs> right. But um, just, it, it, of course, that happens to, to Georgia fans. And we got to play those scenarios through our heads. But right. I'm glad JT Daniels is here. You know, what a brilliant move on Kirby's hand. He had Jamie Newman. They went out and got JT Daniels. I remember yeah. that happened like on a Friday in April or May. And I was like, what? How did this just happen? Five-star from USC just transferred to Georgia. Um, and that could prove to be one of the biggest decisions of Kirby's career if 2021 goes well. It's anything like Auburn if you get a transfer quarterback. <laughs> you're okay. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, fun true. fact, though, guys, and I don't even think you guys know this, is the first ever college athlete I interviewed was Aaron Murray. There in you go. Macon, Georgia. I did mm -hmm. know you interviewed him. I didn't know that that was your first – it was interview. the first ever him and coach Rick. And, um, we had, uh, Paul Johnson from, uh, Georgia tech awesome. at the time. Yeah. And so a little, little intern, me finally got <laughs> to, uh, to interview a college player and it was Aaron. That's Murray. Great. He was nice. delightful. He was very sweet, very, uh, well, he was taller than me, but that's not safe. <laughs> Most of them are, um, Most of them are. I, I, so you talked a little bit about JT. I got, I got one final thought and then I'll turn it over to Matt if he's got any questions and then get into social media. But is it is it a given that JT is going to be the starter this year or is uh, Brock Vandegrift going to make a splash? Do you think he's got a chance? Um, that's a great question. You know, everything that I've seen off Brock Vandegrift is that dude can play. Um, he's competitive. He's committed to Georgia, meaning obviously he's going to go there, but he, he loves the university, wants to be around home wants to play for the red and black, you know, I, I JT's going to start week one. You don't throw Brock Vandergrift to the wolves against Clemson and say, Hey, go get it done. Right. Um, but could he play? I mean, surely he, he could, but why risk it right now? You have a quarterback, you know, Kirby is ultra competitive. He's going to create that type of mindset for all of his players, but I think it'd be beneficial for the team beneficial for JT as soon as camp starts, just say, JT's our guy. We're rolling with him. Brock can make his way onto the playing field this fall. Get everybody, hand in the pile. Let's move towards that Clemson game because what's the reason of sitting there and trying to play it coy? Oh, we don't know who's going to start. Maybe it's Brock's second series. You right. know, Clemson's too good for that. I would just say let's, let's push the train in one direction and give JT the keys. Right. Clemson and, does not have Trevor Lawrence though. So maybe a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah, yeah but they, yeah, they we'll didn't see. look terrible without him last year. Yeah. Uh, That's either, true. So. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, but, a lot of weapons in Clemson. But yeah. them without him is exactly how Notre Dame got it where they Crazy. were. It's Ooh, fine. Right. I don't, don't it's break. fine. Listen, we have a guest, Jesse. Keep the keep the <laughs> dome or hate to yourself. Dude. If he's listened, he knows. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Come on. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, mean, I don't kind of, it's kind of like default, isn't it? downplay the Notre SEC? Dame hate. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't, so. I don't have anything against Notre Dame. <laughs> okay. The only reason that I wouldn't necessarily hate Notre Dame <laughs> is all because of Jerome Bettis, you know, lifelong Steelers fan. There you go. Because of him. I can't necessarily say that I hate them, but it's a strong dislike, I guess. So I enjoyed Rudy. That's um, about it. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, really excited about the future of, of the, the program with, with Brock in future years as well. And can we say thank you to his grandmother for guilting him into, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Not guilty. <laughs> apparently what so, she said was just, grandma guilt is real. The same, same, thank you. <laughs> apparently she was just voicing some thoughts that he already had. So we're thankful for that. So, oh, you know, Southern grandmas, <laughs> she knew exactly what she was doing. <laughs> That's true. I just wish you'd be able to come home for Sunday lunch. And <laughs> She knew. Come on. That's right. All right, Matt, I'll turn it over to you, man. Uh, well, I just, just a couple of rando questions, a couple of silly ones, because I, I, don't, I don't know if you figured it out yet, Drew, but Jesse's the, is the is the analytics. Wes is the brains of the outfit. I'm just here for color. <laughs> I love it. Um, we all have a good time. So speaking of Jerome Bettis and talking about the Steelers, um, what's uh, what was it like transitioning from 
college to the NFL. I've had a, a one of my coworkers, his son tried to, or he went to Alabama, played defensive tackle, um, made a little bit of that transition, got on a couple practice squads. Uh, did, unfortunately, didn't make it into um, anything serious. But what's that transition like for for a student athlete to go from being a student athlete to being a professional? Yeah, I thought, well, first off. Georgia prepared me uh, fantastically. You know, the, the operation that we had at Georgia from a support standpoint, football standpoint, um, you know, I felt like I was well prepared. I stayed there for five years, um, loved every minute of it, and then got the opportunity to go up to Pittsburgh, which is just an unbelievable franchise and organization. Um, you know, the thing that I most respected about Coach Tomlin is that he was black and white. You know, there's no gray area, right? You knew where you stood every single day. You had to go in and prove it. Um, that team, when I was there in 2012 and 13, loads of veterans, guys who had two Super Bowl rings, Ben Roethlisberger, obviously, Heath Miller, Brett Kiesel, Ryan Clark, Casey Hampton, Troy Palomalu, like Hall of Famers all over the field. And they were starting to get some younger guys in the locker room. It was a, an interesting dynamic because – Clearly they were trying to get younger, but those guys were still in their leadership of the team chasing playoff wins and Super Bowl. So that was a great learning curve for me just because I understood how serious it was for those guys. Uh, the kicker and long snapper there at the time were Sean Sweezum and Greg Warren, guys who had played eight plus years in the NFL, got to ask them questions. They gave me great guidance on what it looks like day in and day out to find success in the NFL. So I was really lucky to walk into a situation to where, hey, this is how it's done. This is a team that demands excellence year in and year out. The Rooney family is unbelievable. Um, and I still have a lot of friends who play up there, you know, Cam Hayward, who's the team captain now and an all pro we grew up together. We went to high school together. We won a state championship together. Um, my senior year of high school. So Cam's the man got a great family. Um, and if he gets a super bowl ring, he'll probably be a hall of famer. <laughs> Love that guy. That's awesome. Um, great. Thank you. Uh, let me ask you this next question. And this is going to kind of come back a little bit. So do college rivalries carry over to the professional locker room? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, emotionally and financially, for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I can tell you a good story. My rookie year, 2012, Georgia-Florida week, Marquise Pouncey, Chris oh, Rainey, man. Marcus Gilbert. There was about four or five Florida Gators on that team, and that was the game where Jarvis Jones punched the ball out of Jordan Reed's hands as he was crossing the goal line. Yes. Yes. Um, and we had a team meeting that Saturday night. I forget who we were playing the next day, but you know, team meeting Saturday night, everybody at the hotel, go over your final five, 10 minute team meeting. Uh, and I was just a rookie at the time. And obviously everybody had watched the game because it was a CBS three thirty, you know, number one versus number four matchup. And uh, I remember Coach Tomlin, before the team meeting even started, he was like, Butler, where are you at? And I kind of raised my hand. He was like, why don't you stand up and tell everybody how much money you just won off that game? <laughs> so I did. It was, it, was pretty, it was a pretty good day. That was a good Saturday for sure. Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was. Um, well, going back to the professional athlete thing, because this is the most fascinating aspect, I think, is what's the most challenging thing you had to face um, as a professional athlete? You know, I was a punter. I mean, I love punting and kicking. Everybody can make jokes about what punters and kickers go through, what they don't go through. Um, you still yeah, get the league I mean, minimum, you know, right? Unfortunately, I saw a second contract <laughs> in, in Arizona, and we, we had a lot of success. Played NFC Championship game, almost went to the Super Bowl. Went 13-3 and in 2015. Uh, just an awesome team. I mean, winning football is the most fun thing ever like if you're in the nfl and you suck it's not fun everybody's job is on the line every single week nobody's having fun mm -hmm. you're, you know you could get cut any day if you're 13 and three and you're playing home playoff games and trying to go to win a super bowl it is a lot of fun to go to work um i mean the hardest thing that's a great question like you know social media people are so damn mean on social media it's yeah, they are. are we ran we um, ran into that problem just recently going after apparently my wife I rub people the wrong way it's not like like if my buddy miss a field goal, like you just, it's hard not to look at it. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, it's like apples and oranges, you know, you go home to your family, you have a good, you have a, a good life, but my God, people, it's like unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Some of the stuff that can't said. even imagine. Um, and fortunately, you know, uh, you know, it'll get to you, but it's like, Holy cow. It's just kind of, 
let's just kind of take a take the wheels oh, off. A little I mean, bit. I'm Jeez. sure you faced it even in college. It. So I, I mean, when I was there, yeah, my friend was yeah. the uh, the kicker during kick six, and yeah, the death threats. Oh that my, that's insane. He received. I mean, I was like, he's what twenty two. Like what? What? What are we doing? I mean, he wouldn't even sleep at his own home. He I went know, to sleep somewhere else because he was that afraid of these threats that he was getting. It was insane. And it's so, it gets so loud at points to where like the decision makers in the office are seeing it. You know what I mean? Like right. it's affecting everybody when it gets that loud, it just kind of sucks. But the people that you can trust and, and the guys in the locker room, like they all know you and they trust you. And, you know, you mentioned your friend, the kicker, like everybody in the locker room still loves him, still talks to him this day. Like that's where, you know, what's most important for sure. I, the president, it was at that time, um, <clears throat> George W. Bush was president um, or no, he had, he was out of office at this time, but he was 43 and my friend's number was 43 and Bush actually like wrote him a letter that oh, said from cool. one 43 to another, like, like they'll that. always remember the bad you do, but you Ooh, need to remember the good. good. And it was just, it's framed in their living room. It's adorable, awesome. but you know, like, it's just, I was like a president, a former president was hearing about right. this. That's yeah, how bad it yeah, got. That's real. Drew, one of my favorite Mark Rick stories is, and I wish I could remember the kicker now, but it was, um, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. It was before. Marshall Morgan. Was it him? Okay. But do you remember Was it Marshall Morgan? You probably, yeah, the, yeah. You probably anticipate the, the incident that I'm talking about right now, where before the kick even yeah. happened, he called him over and he said, look, I don't care what happens here. Just know that no matter what happens here, I love you no matter what. And like, yeah, just, just like what that means to that kid. I mean, it's just, uh, it just struck me. It was just amazing uh, for, for a coach to say that to a player. I mean, obviously I know he's going to try to encourage him, but man, just the authenticity of that statement that he made, it was just, oh man, it was amazing. So. Yeah. And you know, that's the best thing about coach Rick is that the guy that you saw weekday press conferences, sideline on Saturdays, post game press conferences during the Aussies, same guy, like he was the same guy. His integrity is unmatched. Um, I'm so lucky to have played for him. He came to my wedding Shot him a text message last week when the news broke that he had moved back to Athens. Immediately text me back. Um, saw him at the Delta Sky Club in Atlanta, you know, way before COVID, like 2019. Freaking sat down with him and his wife, and we chatted for 25 minutes. Like, that's the best. You can't, especially now, some of the news stories that you see about coaches, what they oh, have yeah. done in the past, what gets uncovered, some of the stuff that gets covered oh. up. That ain't Coach Rick, and I was extremely lucky to play for somebody like him. That's our, for sure. Our friend, one of, one of my friends, and who's on the show a, a little bit, um, was a walk-on at Georgia, and says the same thing. You know, he met Coach Rick as a as a kid, and always wanted to play there, and um, ended up getting to as a walk-on, and just said he was so um, genuine and authentic. And so I think it's yeah. it's great to just to hear that continuity across stories. Now, don't get me wrong; he'll get on yep. your ass now. Uh, I mean, I mean, he, he's seen, a football we've seen, coach. Um, we've seen it once or twice. I right. was like, hey, I've got some funny stories about him, man. He, you know, when I was becoming a junior and senior, he used to just lay into me for no reason at all. Of course, it wasn't my character fault. building. He would just lay into me. Yeah, yeah. So good stories there. Too. We always got a chuckle when Rick was still the head coach when he'd get fired up, which was so rare to see because he'd be on the sidelines, just calm as a cute as a cucumber, and just be like. And then he'd go off, and it'd be, I'd get a kick out of it. At least. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah you're like, sure. all right. Go ahead, Wes. I was just saying, you're like, where did that come from? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's always fun to watch Rick get fired up. Um, and then you have Kirby, who's constantly fired up. He's constantly, <laughs> oh, yeah. what's wrong? Zero, zero the sky is falling. <laughs> yeah. The sky is falling yeah. every yeah. minute of every yeah. day. Yeah. Must be nice to have a football coach that wins. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, so, last question for you. Uh, to deviate a little bit away from football. Who's your pick? in the bracket to win March Madness, and why is your answer Loyola? Yeah, I mean, I love Loyola. Right? Sister Jean I mean, is the reason. Sister Jean. She got some Porter voodoo around her, man. She's got the Lord. Voodoo looks like her. Scott Hansen off NFL Red Zone. Those guys are twins. <laughs> um, you know who my pick is, though? I had to do a show this morning. Yes, oh, me too! No. Hates. no. I just hate I to quit. say it. I, I know. Well, uh, I hate to That's say my it. Pick I'm too. watching the game. Please, no. I'm watching the game Sunday night. My wife went to Bama and I just looked at her and I was like, are you kidding? Right? Me? She's like, what? I go, Bama looks like 
unbeatable. They're kicking ass. They, I think they had the most impressive first and second round. Yeah. Um, Nate Oates is a great coach. So These guys are playing, man. I'm like, if Alabama wins the final four, I might just go into a hole and uh, I'm with you. Completely. You guys will not be able to fit my head on the screen if we get to the final four i'm just just saying i just expect the worst and hope for the best at this point i uh i work with some uconn people and uh some former they were college athletes at uconn not in basketball but uh they were like who'd you pick in your bracket i was like obviously bama and they're like well that was dumb and i was like i had them beating (laughs) y'all there you go so i like your pick i think this is a great a great journey for you us. you would like her, his pick. I just mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. I'm not even paid by the university anymore. <laughs> this is all genuine. But you was gonna say you're you're always a part of it though. It's, it's, always. It's gonna, well, <laughs> you, you could have been like me and picked Ohio State to win the whole thing. There you go. And then I definitely oh. took that one on the chin. It was first of all, you picked Ohio State. I look, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing. All right, I don't know round ball. <laughs> I just go by names and colors. Love it. Oh yeah, Ohio State, sure. Creighton, who's that? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, back to you, Wes. All right, cool. Well, hey, we want to uh, go ahead and respect your time, Drew. We appreciate you coming on, but we want to know uh, social media. Where can people find you on social media? How can they contact you? Yeah, absolutely. At Drew Butler, um, at Punt and Pass, and check out Icon Source at Icon Source. Icon- consource.com go check it out um we're kicking butt and we're ready for this thing to get the green light turned on and help these student athletes um capitalize on their name image and likeness sweet yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with this and uh we'll uh we'll definitely have to keep in touch and see how things are going with icon as well i'm sure you guys are gonna gonna get blown up with all kinds of requests so uh it's gonna be good for you guys i'm sure um thanks again for coming on the show thanks y'all yeah have a great one Thanks, Thank guys. All right. And uh, for uh, for our listeners, uh, if you guys would like to contact us, please hit us up at uh, pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash pigskinsandpageantry. Also on Twitter at PPSEC Podcast. And we're also on Instagram at pigskinsandpageantry. <clears throat> Don't forget we're available for download on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most other podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. Enjoy the show. We would greatly appreciate it. Take a moment and hit the subscribe button and give us a review. Five stars would be awesome. So, hey, uh, it was really, uh, really good to talk about this very important topic. Until next time, this is Wes. Go dogs. As always, roll tide, but like roll tide basketball. Oh, 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 no. Guys, we can't let Bama win another championship. I can't handle that kind of stress. Can't have it. Go balls, I guess. I reckon. (laughs) I don't even know anymore.